Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Studying love for so long that you probably thought you had graduated. But, you know, as I prayed about ending this, and I felt like we really had with Love Keeps No Records of Wrongs, God really prompted in my heart this study, and it's called Receiving, Possessing, and Giving Love. In that order, Receiving, Possessing, and Giving Love. And I wanted to just do a quick, quick synopsis of what we learned. There's no way that we could, in any capacity, cover all of these because we spent months and months on each one. So if something you know triggers something in your heart, I would so encourage you to get the tapes because there is so much teaching and depth through the Bible on each one of these things. But we looked in First um, John four eight six in verse eight and sixteen, and we learned that God is love. That both of those scriptures say that God is love, and we talked about how we're to be more godlike. And we used First Corinthians thirteen and went through each one of these. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not. Envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, love is not easily angered, love keeps no records of wrongs. And we spent months on each one. And once we sort of um, look at all of that, and, you know, we laughed a lot and thought a lot and pondered a lot, and then there were times that I could really tell the Holy Spirit was speaking to me or to you on certain subjects But once you get a grip of that and see that, there comes this point in our heart where we want so much to give that to other people. We want to give the love of God. And, you know, I thought of that song, What the the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love, and I'm not going to sing it to you because I told you I wasn't doing the joke today. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Orm. (laughs) But... You know, I think that most of us can sing that song, but a lot of people cannot actually do that song. They want to give love to the world, but they don't really know how. And most of us as Christians, I'd say all of us as Christians, want to give God's love to the world. But here's what I want us to look at. Before we can give anything away, and if you look at your worksheet, it's down towards the bottom middle. We have to first receive it. We have to then personally possess it. And then we can give it. I wanted to look at these words and I want us to keep referring back to those three things because it's going to mean so much to you once we start looking at this because I had to halt myself in some of those areas. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not even the envy. It does not boast. All those areas and say, wait a minute. Have I received that for myself from God? Do I personally possess it in order for me to give it away? Because we can't give something that we don't have. If you are cold and you need a coat and I don't have a coat, I can't give you a coat. And so we need to look at this in that respect. So keep that in mind. Receive means to acquire or partake. And I just wanted to break these words down because I think it's so important that we just get the maximum meaning out of them. To receive means to acquire or partake. Personally possess means to personally own, carry, or have. Is having something in your possession, having something that you own, that you carry, that you have on you. And give means to dispense, distribute, and hand out. And God has called us to dispense and distribute and hand out God's love. And we want to dispense and distribute and hand out God's love. The problem is a whole lot of us don't own it for ourselves. 
We don't even have it in our possession to give. We want to give it, but we don't have it. And that's what we're going to look at today. You know, it's so funny. So many times I've spoken to different groups and I don't care where I am, what kind of church it is. It doesn't matter if it's a Catholic church, Episcopal church, a charismatic church. It doesn't matter if it's a school, if it's a conference, if it's a business group, if the people, you know, worship the Lord or if they worship a head of lettuce, it doesn't matter. Wherever I speak, I will have at least one person come up and say, well, I wish so-and-so could have been here because they really needed to hear what you had to say. I've had people say, here is so-and-so's number. I know you don't know them, but would you call them and repeat all of the things that you just shared with us? I'm thinking, no. (laughs) But isn't it amazing how our brains do that? We're more apt to want to sort of bypass it and give it to someone else than to receive it for ourselves. But God is like, you know, I'm teaching you on love. I'm not teaching your husband on love or your daughter on love or your best friend on love or your wife on love. I'm not teaching them. They're not in this class right now. Maybe I'm teaching them in another way. Maybe they're learning something else. I'm teaching you because if I can get you to get it, you can give it away. If I can get you to receive it for yourself, you can give it away. And I think that's exciting. And that's what I wanted us to stop before we go on to something else. You know, I get so excited about whatever else we're going to study. And okay, we taught love. Okay, we're over. We're through with love. We don't need to talk about it anymore. We're going to go on to something else, you know, and yet God really pulled me back and said, wait a minute, if people haven't received it, they can't give it away. And head knowledge means nothing unless your heart's involved. It means nothing. You know, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. And that exactly means that you can know things in your head and scriptures and spout off all sorts of things. There are people that can spout off the entire New Testament and they're some of the meanest people you ever want to meet. And so it doesn't matter what we know. And we said this last week too. It matters what we sow. It matters how we are. If you look at the top of um, page 2... On your handout, we're going to start with receiving, acquiring God's love. And I think it's so neat that most of us have, as young children, we're even taught this. We're taught it is more blessed to give than to receive. So if you look at the top of page two, it says receiving, acquiring God's love. And most of us learned as little children, and we've repeated it so many times, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But what I want to present to you this morning is that you can't give something you don't have. So you have to have first received it in order to even give it. And that's why it's more blessed because God knows that it's taken this full circle. It's like you've received it from him and then you're able to give it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But we have to receive first in order to give. Receiving God's love, number one, means receiving Jesus. You know, when we receive Jesus, we receive his forgiveness. We receive his salvation. We receive his mercy. We receive his love. And until I've received Jesus, I can't give him away until I first received him for myself. And then number two, receiving God's love means loving ourselves. And that's where we run into some problems, most of us. If I'm going to receive God's love, 
because I want to give God's love to the world, right? I want my children to know that they're worth something. I want people in this church to know that God loves them. I want people to know that they're forgiven. I want them to know that the past is washed clean. But I can't give that away until I've received it for myself. I have to love myself before I can love you. And that's why the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because God set it up that way. You can't give something you don't have. You have to love yourself in order to love others. Look at how many scriptures say, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18, Matthew 19.19, Matthew 22.39, Mark 12.31, Mark 12.33, Luke 10.27, Romans 13.9, Galatians 5.14, and James 2.8. I'd say God was pretty serious about that scripture. He's trying to say something to us. Not just love your neighbors, but abhor yourself. Trash yourself, but love your neighbors. Abuse yourself. Have no faith in what God's created in you, but love everyone else. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We can't love our neighbor until we've received God's love for ourselves. You know, there's such an amazing picture of this, and I may have shared this with you. I don't know. Of course, I have this obsession with loving to be an airline stewardess, and y'all are set up just perfectly with the seats, you know, at the aisle, and they always come up front, and they have it all memorized, you know, and they, they're saying stuff, and I remember as a little girl, I thought, oh, someday if I could have bright, shiny red nails, and stand at the front of a plane, and just kind of, and the exits are, and, the, you know, sit down, sir. Of course, now you have to have karate, and carry a gun and <laughs> but anyway I've noticed on planes you know that they always say the same thing that if there is a need for oxygen in order for us to survive in order for us to have what we need in order to live I mean God created us to need oxygen there is an oxygen shortage and the oxygen comes down do they say cover your children first hurry they say First, put the face mask on yourself and then on your children. And that is so stuck with me because I thought that is exactly what God is telling us. And that is exactly what a lot of us are doing wrong. Is we're trying to put God's face mask of love. We're trying to give love, which is essential to life, to our children first. Maybe to our husband second, to our best friend third to our wife, to our mother, to our father, to our neighbor, but we haven't first received it for ourselves. Why do you think they tell us to put it first on ourselves before our children? Because you won't survive if you can't breathe. I mean, it won't matter. But truly, we cannot give love even to our children. And that's such a good point that God has created us to give our love to our children. But I, if I dislike myself, if I haven't received the love of God and the forgiveness of God, if I haven't received Jesus for myself, I can't give that to my child. As much as I want my child to have that, I can't give it to them. If I haven't received forgiveness, I can't give forgiveness. If I haven't received mercy, I can't give mercy. I mean, half the people that are the most unmerciful people are mad at themselves. They can't even receive mercy for themselves. So that's what I want us to look at. You know, I thought about this too in loving ourselves. 
it's so easy to love ourselves when we're younger. And I, you know, in kindergarten, I mean, if you go talk to a kindergarten class, which was so fun, I did a couple years ago, and you say, okay, raise your hand if you're the smartest kid in this whole class. The whole class raises their hands. They're all the smartest. They're all the fastest. They're all the funniest. They're all the most well-liked until they get to about first grade. And then what's happened? Then we've got two problems. They've started to be labeled and they've started to be judged. And I thought back, um, I looked through uh, last year actually, but I looked through, um, you know, those teacher comments that you get? Oh, the teacher comments. And I had mine from starting back from um, pre-K that my mom had kept and every teacher comment it started like first grade, second grade, third grade, and it all said, daydreamer, doesn't pay attention in class. <laughs> you know, um, all sorts of little things like that. But basically, if they had had the terminology back then, I think it would have said ADD. And I knew, I mean, I knew that, you know, you know, I mean, you start to kind of get this thing, like, I'm this, because so-and-so thinks I'm this, and they said I'm this. And you get this label, and this judgment, and I thought, but isn't God so good? You know, I still am. I'm a daydreamer. That's where all of these weird stories and all of this comes on paper, is walking around and daydreaming and going, oh my gosh, that's just like when you're on an airplane, and the oxygen comes down, and you got to put it first on yourself, and then you're, that's the daydreamer that God created in me. And yet, you go through a lot of years to come back and say, Okay, God, I do love me. You have to go through a lot of years of going, Oh, you know, I'm trying to pay attention, or whatever you might have gone through. You may have been labeled as a bully. You may have been labeled as a wimp. You may have been labeled as dyslexic. You may have been labeled as who knows what. But God is saying to you and to your children this morning, I don't create trash. <laughs> I created you for a reason, with a purpose, with a destiny, to do what I've called you to do. And you are given what you're given because that is why I've created you, is for a certain purpose that you may not know yet. But when you know it, it's going to come together. You know, sometimes we're raising kids that are so hard-headed, they're so strong, and we just think, if I have one more day, I'm trying to wrestle with this child... But we don't realize, what did God create them for? You know, a position maybe that they have to have a forehead of flint, like the prophets had. And it's so exciting for us to go, wow, you know, it's I don't need to label them. I need to discipline them and go on lots of vacations and get back rubs and <laughs> go out to dinner. <laughs> but... At the same time, receiving what God has created in ourselves and in our children so that they can love themselves and so we can love ourselves. You know, I looked at these two things, label, these words, label and judge. And label in the thesaurus means to name or to earmark. And I like that earmark because I always think, you know, when we would go to my uncle's ranch in Montana and they just had cattle galore, and they had them earmarked according to all these different categories. And they'd literally, you know, clip. You've seen that, where they actually clip a mark in their ear. And that's what we start doing with not only our kids, but ourselves. 
learning disability, clip, doesn't pay attention, clip, bully doesn't, clip, wimp, clip, not good in athletics, clip, strong-headed, clip, ADD, clip, ADHD, clip. What do they have now? So many things to label. And yet God says, it doesn't matter. I created them a certain way with certain purpose. And he wants us to love ourselves. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, gosh, you know, I still have all of those labels. And God says, I created you and I want you to love yourself because I created you with a purpose and a reason. And the reason you have your personality. You know, so often, even not even too long ago, and I shouldn't be telling you this, so of course I am. I so often want, in many situations, to be quiet, to not you know, speak as much, to just be quiet. And I had to go to a meeting not too long ago, and I thought, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go to the meeting, and I'm just going to look wise. Because, you know, real quiet people, they look really wise, you know? I think Lacey, he, he is so quiet, and he speaks when he needs to speak, and when he does speak, it's really good. And then there are lots of times I wish he would speak, and he doesn't speak, but that's a whole nother. That's a whole other issue. So I went to this meeting, and they started talking about stuff that I'm passionate about, like children's ministries, like worship. They started talking about all of these different things, and I got so excited. I couldn't be quiet. I was like, yeah, and this is an idea, and we can do this, and sure, I'll do that. And I left the meeting, and I thought, oh, what happened? I mean, why can't I be like so-and-so and be quiet and just be so reserved and wise? Why do I have to just get so excited and enthusiastic and they ask themselves, you know, are you 12, 13? Why do I have to do that? And God was like, Kathleen, because I created you that way. We all need to accept each other and we label and judge each other and we try to be something that we're not and then we wonder why we don't love each other and then why can't I give love away? Instead of loving ourselves, I see Christians walking around wanting to give God's forgiveness away, but they haven't received it for themselves. I see Christians walking around wanting to give God's mercy, God's goodness, the hope of God, the joy of God away, but they don't have it in themselves. I see Christians wanting to give, um, you know, the things that God died, the things that Jesus died for us to have away and yet, not understanding, but first, we have to receive it for ourselves. And it almost seems selfish. And I think that that's where we get so skewed, is even though it is funny, all of us have been in conferences or seminars or in church or read something and thought, well, so-and-so needs to read this, or I wish so-and-so could read this, because it seems less selfish to us to give it away than to receive it for ourselves. And yet, God says, What he wants is for us to first receive and then give. We're such sense-oriented feeling. What do I taste? What do I see? What do I touch? That's what got Eve all in trouble. You know, it really wasn't Eve's fault. Do you know that? I mean, it's not not all the women's fault. It's just that as human beings, we're so sense-oriented. And that's what got her into trouble. It's not what God said that she went with. It's what she thought looked like it would taste good. And so we go through that too. And that's what gets us in trouble in our faith when we go on a feeling and not on what God said. And there are many days, you know, when you're lying in bed with tubes coming out of your heart and taking chemo and 
you've been told by a doctor you've got two weeks to live and your little girl's coming up to you and saying, Mommy, Mommy, why are, what are you doing? And, you know, I didn't sit up in bed and go, God loves me. You know, not the first day anyway, because you're feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, what has happened? What is going on? And you're watching your hair fall out in chunks. But you go back to what God said. What did he say? Not how do I feel? What did he say? And that's such a great, great thing. I mean, it's like if you can catch that, you can do anything, get through anything in your life. And changing, converting from getting off of our feelings to what did God say? It's so freeing because if we go on our emotions all of our lives, we're going to be the most up-down Christians. And I'm going back to Christians because in the natural, in our flesh, the way we're taught, the way we're raised, human beings, the way we're born, we go on feelings. But we need to be going on what God said. And that's where we go out of the carnal and into the spiritual. And it's a completely different way of thinking. And that's what faith is. The faith is the conviction of things hoped for. And, you know, the assurance of things not seen. That's the, what God says in the Bible that faith is. And yet we can't walk in faith, the conviction of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen, until we get out of the feeling, the visual, the sensual realm. Because faith says, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I hear. I don't care how I feel. I only care about what God said. Do I feel forgiven? There are times that I have done stuff that I ask for forgiveness and I didn't feel forgiven like I didn't feel forgiven at all. And if I had gone on, you know, there are times that I've done stuff and then I had to go speak to a whole big group of people the next day. And so there's Satan on your shoulder going, well, <laughs> you shouldn't be speaking to those people because you did such and such and such and such and so and so. And I'm thinking, you're right. And then if I had gone on to think, how do I feel? Well, I wouldn't have been able to give away forgiveness to them. I wouldn't have been able to stand in front of a group of people and said, Jesus loves you at all times. And he forgives you no matter what you've done or said. I wouldn't be able to give that because I wouldn't have had it. But the reason I had it is I didn't go on my feelings. I went and I said, here's what the word says. And it's so amazing how so often faith comes before feelings. It's like when Moses was told to go across and, and, and go across the water, the waters didn't part for him to go across until he stepped in with his staff. He stepped in and then the waters crossed. And it's like if we'll step in with faith, so often our feelings will follow. But what we try to do is we try to follow our feelings and then not understand why our faith isn't working. I don't know why I don't have any faith. I just don't feel like God's doing anything. Well, he says he's always doing something. I just don't see God doing anything. I don't feel like he is. Well, Hebrews 13, 8 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know? And we need to learn to follow our faith and start our feelings, which is for Christians. And it's not for the whole world. They're not even at that place. But we are the ones that are responsible for getting them there. But we can't give that to them until we've got it. I can't get you to stop following your feelings until I've stopped following mine. <laughs> But if I stood up in this class and I said, I just don't feel like teaching today. I don't feel like God's doing anything. And um, things are happening that I am not really happy about in my life. And I just would like it if we would all just sing Jesus Loves You until the 11 o'clock service. Because <laughs> I don't feel like it. <laughs> but I can't do that. 
And you know why I get so excited? And, and it's so neat, too, when you watch somebody that's so steady, and I'm not saying I'm there yet, but, oh, I want to be so bad. It's when stuff is going on in their lives, and this is happening, and it's not so good, and they're just steady. They're just steady because they're not going on their feelings. They're going on faith. I went on a walk this morning, and I have this 13-year-old um, Siberian Husky. And um, he's an older dog, and he has his routine, and you know, he has certain bushes that he likes to go to, and certain yards that he visits, and certain cats he chases, and he has this routine. And he's slowed down a whole lot, and he has arthritis. And um, the vet told me even to put a little half of an aspirin in a piece of cheese before we go walk. And so we went walking this morning, and I'm his master, and he's so, you know, such a sweet, good dog. And but we went walking, and all of a sudden, there's this kind of half puppy, kind of one of those like teenage kind of dogs that their paws are real big and they're like, <laughs> and they're so excited about everything. And my dog looked at him like, oh, great, you know. And so this dog proceeded to trip me about 10 times, this little puppy. It kept going up to my dog and going, okay, show me, show me, show me. Show me what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Oh, that's the bush you marked. Oh, that's so cool. I never even thought about going to that one. And this dog was like, <laughs> and just hyper, hyper, hyper. And I just thought about, golly, it was like, I started laughing on that walk, and I thought, that is so us. That is so, we judge, though, so quickly each other. And at first, my dog was like, oh, you know, here's a dog whose paws are ten times the size of its brain, (laughs) following me around. It's all of, you know, six months old, and I've been doing this for a long time. I'm with the master. I don't want to be bothered. Trying to do my routine here. And this dog's driving me crazy and tripping me up. And here's the new dog, so excited, can't wait to get in there, wants to learn from the old dog, wants to walk with the master, hi, how are you doing, ah, can't, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I still remind myself of one of these dogs, I'm not sure which. (laughs) And at the end, they were having the greatest time together. And even the new dog, I mean, he was kind of tripping me up and tripping my dog up, and he's kind of trying to show him new ways to, to, you know, personalized bushes. But it was like so neat because they kind of stopped labeling and judging each other and then we just went on a walk. And it was just, God just gave me such a neat picture of that because we all do that with each other. We're so many different personalities in so many different ways and we need to learn to love ourselves and to love each other. Heavenly Father, we just um, thank you first of all for giving us your love. Thank you first of all for dying on the cross for... For me, I just pray that each person in this class could be able to say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. God, you are such a personal God. You love each one of us. You created each one of us with special things in our personalities, the way that we approach life. And Lord, I just pray that you would help each one of us to love those things that you've created in us. God, there's a lot of areas that we need to change, but there's a lot of areas that that we've perhaps been ashamed of or disliked in ourselves that, that, that you've created for a certain purpose in this life. Father, I pray that you would show each one of us that we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves and that you would help each one of us to love ourselves. Father, help us to know that We cannot be satisfied and content with who you've created us to be. If we aren't, we we can't give that away, that 
that contentedness away unless we are first content ourselves. Father, help us to love ourselves. God, I just pray that since we've learned so much about your love and each one of us in here, I just know wants to give that love away, that you would show us, you know, first, have we received your love? Secondly, have we, re- have we personally possessed every aspect of your love, your kindness, your forgiveness, your mercy, your goodness, your miracles, your just everything for ourselves? Do we possess that? Do we own that? And then thirdly, Give us the strength and the desire and the joy in giving that away. Father, I pray for um, our hearts, and you know each one of us in whatever capacity that we need. And Father, if any of us are sitting here and thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so could hear this, Lord, perhaps you would help us to have action in our lives that would speak louder than words that they might receive from you. Father, maybe there's someone in our life that we want to receive your forgiveness. Help us, God, to not keep any records of wrongs with them so that they could visibly see in us your love. Father, we just thank you for all of your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll-free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.